if you were at a show, a performance, a fair, somewhere, anywhere, and you saw a performance that one second was right in front of you, an object or something, was right in front of your very eyes, and you touched it, and you looked at it, and you inspected it, and it looked like everything was there, and everything was directly in front of you, and then half of a second later, or milliseconds later, it was gone. It wasn't there. Would you be totally flummoxed and totally beside yourself as to what ha- how it happened? What made it happen? Is it magic? And a lot of people, which I say yes, is it magic in the sense that what people commonly believe magic to be? The workings of people who have mastered the art of illusion and mastered the art of sorcery and stuff like that. I don't think that's the case, but nonetheless, magic exists. It exists in this world and it exists all around us. And it exists for the the beautiful and amazing, amazing intention of entertaining us and amazing us and making our mouths drop and making our eyes bug out and everything roll across the floor in amazement. And the people who do it are just incredible entertainers and uh, amazing people. So yes, magic exists. And is there a heartbreaking side of it? And do people get heartbroken? People lose and feel like they lost when another magician or someone else figures out their trick. They feel that way. They may, may feel like they're lost or they've lost, but they really haven't. Because magic is more than a trick. It's more than performing the trick that you have trained yourself and that you know how to do. It's, magic is more than that. Magic is what writing is, what I do, writing. Magic is, is a suspension of disbelief. Believe in something that's bigger than who you are. Believe in, yeah, a suspension of disbelief. Suspend things... Suspend your beliefs, suspend things that couldn't happen. Ignore things that you feel couldn't happen. And just let yourself go. Ease back and relax and prepare to be entertained. And accept the fact that those people people are there to amaze you and to entertain you. And there's nothing more great. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. And that's what makes a great entertainer. That's what makes a good person. The person's ability to be entertaining. And to entertain you with what they're doing, what they know how to do. It's just incredible. And one of the best artists that I've ever seen, and I'm going to mention her name here, and hopefully she listens to this, and I know my producers are huge fans of hers, and have, and as, as, I, as am I as well. They're huge, huge fans. I can't hit that word huge enough. Huge, huge fans of her. And I know Sirius and Kaylee have a huge crush on her huge crush on her and honestly i can't blame them but one i'm jen kramer one of the things jen is so she's so good at what she does it's not just because she can do the tricks it's not that as well that the tricks that she knows how to do and that she can do them she's just so genuinely adept at who she is and her command of the stage and what she does she's so adept at it that she's just entertaining She's a she's a, a a wonderful person to see, and you get the feeling like and I'm drawing from from K 
Kaylee and Cirrus's words here and my own is that it's just there are very few people in the world of entertainment in the world of magic that are just fun that are just a joy to watch and Jen is one of those people she's just fun and you get the feeling that just by being on stage the way she exudes herself and the way she talks is that she's enjoying her job and she loves being up there and she loves the joy that she's able to bring to people and she feels she feels enlightened by that and she feels she feels she feels respected and she feels she feels honored to be the person who's able to make people happy and make people smile and you get that from her when you see her do her tricks and you see her on stage you get that and Cirrus's word here because I couldn't actually phrase it as well as she did but Cirrus's word is that when you see Jen perform when you see Jen on stage it's like you're watching your sister or you're watching your neighbor perform and you feel very comfortable you feel very at home and very relaxed with what you're watching and you feel like you're wa- like, like, like Cirrus says you feel like you're watching a friend and you feel like you're watching your neighbor and it's just it's, it's just the way people hold themselves on stage and the way people carry themselves and the way they speak and the way they address their audience and the way they, they address they deliver things is a very personable it makes them come off as a very personable person not to be repetitious in a word there is they come up as very personable and Jen is like that she's very she looks very approachable and very very humble and very very and just a lot of fun and it's really and Cirrus has said and both Cirrus and Kaylee have said this actually they have said watching Jen is like I said watching your sister or watching your best friend or your neighbor which is very relaxing it's very comforting to watch her do her tricks and watch her perform because you like i said you get the feeling that she's not there to just do her tricks and sell tickets because let's face it in vegas let's be honest here it is money you're trying to draw people in and make tickets and make money because that's what makes your show successful if it wasn't successful you close within a week like some shows i know you close within a week or a half day but a lot of yes, a lot of that draw is to bring in money and to bring in ticket sales. But you see Jen perform and it's like this is that's not why she's there. She's not there, although you know she is, because everyone is. She, oh, she she's not there to sell tickets. She's not there for money. She's there to be to entertain you and make you smile. And in a lot of situations and a lot of people when I when I see this in the world I've got to have nothing but admiration. And the girls, Sirius and Kaylee, the girls echo my sentiments when I say this. We have nothing but love and admiration for people who are like that. Who do their jobs not because they want to do their jobs, not just because they want to do their jobs, but just because they love it. Just for the passion of doing it. And just because they, they want people to be happy. And they want to make people happy. And they're incredibly honored and incredibly, incredibly respect, feel incredibly respected when they have, when they have the ability to make people smile and to make people happy. And in the end of it all, isn't that what magic really is? Is not so much doing the tricks and being able to look like you're doing things out of sleight of hand, because that's what a lot of magic can be, sleight of hand or or quick change or stuff like that another excellent quick change artist is leah kyle 
uh, she's French, and she's excellent. She's beyond excellent. But there, it, it, it's about, like I said, suspension of disbelief. It's about being entertained and looking that these people are trying to make you happy and make you smile. And it's just great when someone can do that. And Jen is exemplary at it, beyond exemplary at it. So, excuse me a second while I can't live while I'm doing this podcast. You can't see my nose because it's kind of brown right now. There's kind of brown stuff on my nose. So, kidding aside, there's a lot of history in magic and a lot of how far it goes. And you're gonna you can say some names here that that if you're listening, Jen, or if you hear this, or someone hears this in the magic in the magic uh, universe. So I'm gonna say some names that you probably know exactly who I'm talking about. Of course. The illusionist, master illusionist, Harry Houdini. But other things like that. Magic goes back a long way and has a deep, deep history. And a lot of this is just... Because a lot of my research and a lot of my notes have been not been on sleight of hand or quick change stuff. A lot of it is on illusion. So a lot of my notes and a lot of the... Referring back to Wikipedia and other areas are from about illusion. But it's kind of as much of the history of magic as I know. Magic is... It encompasses the subgenres of illusion, stage magic, and close-up magic. It's a, it's a performing art in which the audiences are entertained by tricks or illusions of seemingly impossible feats using natural means. It is, it is to be distinguished from paranormal magic, where our, where our effects claim to be created by through supernatural means. And that's a whole different... I don't know if I would call that sup, supernatural stuff. I don't know if I would call supernatural stuff magic. A lot of stuff, and again, this is this all going back to the fact of just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there, and also because I haven't witnessed it, therefore I can't definitively say one way or the other. But I don't know if paranormal investigations, paranormal stuff, is actually magic, or if it's just if it's just the paranormal interfering interfering with mechanical devices, and the only way they can communicate, or if it's just the mechanical devices interfering with other mechanical devices. Or the Earth's natural natural magnetic field. I, I don't I don't know what the case may be. Modern entertainment magic, as pioneered by 19th century magician Jean Eugène Robert Houdin. Jean Eugène, sorry for butchering the French, because I speak French very well. So, or try to speak French very well. Jean Eugène Robert Houdin has become popular theoretical theatrical art form. In the 19th and early 20th centuries, magicians such as Maskelyne, M-A-S-K-E-L-Y-N-E, and Devant, Howard Thurston, Harry Keller, and Harry Houdini achieved widespread commercial success during what has become known as the Golden Age of Magic. During this period, performance magic became a staple of Broadway theater, vaudeville, and music halls. Magic retained its popularity in the television age, which magicians such as Paul Daniels, famous, a famous name here when reference to a famous novel, David Copperfield, Doug Henning, obviously the great, the guys who I love, Penn and Teller, Penn Gillette, and Raymond Joseph Teller. I believe that's his full name, Raymond Joseph Teller. And anyone who's ever seen Penn and Teller perform, or anyone who's ever seen Penn and Teller elsewhere and doesn't hear Penn and Teller and thinks Penn Teller doesn't talk, is ridiculous. Teller does talk, and you hear him. 
if you meet them backstage, if you go to their shows and one of their shows and you have the pleasure of meeting them backstage or in the hallway, there's some, they come out of their dressing rooms and into the hall to meet fans. Teller does talk. And he's really and he's a really nice guy. So is Penn. They're really, really nice guys. Uh, David Blaine and Darren Brown modernized the art form. The term magic etymologically etymology is the study of words or the study of the history of words and the origin of words. The term ma- ma- the term magic etymologically derives from the Greek word magi magi M A J M A J M A G E-I-A. In ancient times, Greeks and Persians had been at war for centuries. And the Persian priests called Magosh, M-A-G-O-S-H, called Magosh in Persian, in Persian came to be known as, as Magoi in Greek. Ritual acts of, per, acts of Persian priests came to be known as Magi, Magi, M-A-J, M-A-G-E-I-A. And then Magica which eventually came to mean any foreign, unorthodox, or illegitimate ritual practice. To the general public, unsuccessful acts of illusion could be perceived as if it were similar to a feat of magic supposed to have been able to be performed by the ancient Magoi. The performance of, the performance of tricks of illusion, or magical illusion, and apparent workings of, and effects of such acts have often been referred to as magic and properly and particularly as magic tricks. The earliest known book to explain magic secrets, The Discovery of Witchcraft, published in, in, published in 1584, it was created by Reginald Scott, S-C-O-T, Reginald Scott, to stop people from being killed, from being killed for witchcraft. During the 17th century, many books were published that described magic tricks. Until... Until the 18th century, magic shows were a common source of entertainment at fairs. A founding figure of modern entertainment was the guy, who, one of the guys who I just mentioned, Jean Eugène Robert Audin, who had been who had a magic theater in Paris in, 18, in 1845. John Harry Anderson was pioneering the same transition in London in the 1840s. Toward the end of the 19th century. Large magic shows, perm- large magic shows, permanently staged at the big theater at big theater venues, became the norm. As a form of entertainment, magic easily moved from theatrical venues to television magic specials. And therein is a little bit of an awkward, I guess, inconsistency or an awkward thing, because a lot of things you can see if you move a magic show or magic performance to a television or to a movie screen, you can kind of think that. Is it really magic, or are they playing with tricks of the camera? Is the sleight of if the, is the magician sleight of hand not really the magician anymore? Is it just sleight of camera? Because as an audience, you're only you're only susceptible, and you can only see what the camera lets you see, what the camera lets you see, or what the camera shows you. So, if the camera if the magician doesn't want you to see a certain thing on the screen, he just, he or she just turns the camera away. And you're, the audience is susceptible, like I said, to what the camera wants to show you. So I always thought, and maybe I'm wrong in this thought, but I always thought that magic shows were best performed in person, best seen in person. And anything on TV or movies can be, like I said, a trick of the camera. Now, I could be wrong in that, but that's just what I've always thought. 
performances performances that modern observers would recognize as conjuring have been practiced throughout history. For example, a trick with three cups and balls has been performed since 3 BC and is still performed today on stage and in street magic shows. For many recorded centuries, magicians were associated with the devil and the occult. During the 19th and 20th centuries, many stage magicians even capitalized on this notion in their advertisements. The same level of ingenuity the same level of ingenuity that was supposed to produce famous ancient deceptions, such as the Trojan horse, would also be, have been used for entertainment, or at least for cheating in money games. They were also used by the practitioners of various religious religions and cults, from ancient times onwards, to frighten uneducated people into obedience or to turn them into adherents. However, the profession of illusionist gained strength only in the 18th century, and has enjoyed several popular vogues since. Opinions vary among magicians and how to categorize a given effect, but a number of categories have been developed. Magicians may pull a rabbit out of an empty hat, make something to make something disappear, or transform a red silk handkerchief into a green silk handkerchief. Magicians may also destroy something, like cutting a head off and then restoring it make something appear to move from one place to another, or they may escape from a straining device. Other illusions may include making something appear to defy gravity, making a solid object appear to pass through another object, or appearing to predict the choice of a spectator. Many magic routines use combinations of effects, and like I was saying, like I had said, is knowing how a magician does his or her trick and being able to acknowledge and witness how a magician does his or her trick, does that blow the illusion? Or does that wreck the magic? And my opinion is no, it does not. It makes the magic, to me anyway, it makes the magic even more valuable. It makes the magic and the magician even stronger and more powerful. Because just because, because I know how you do something, did something, it makes me want to see you do it again. And then see you do it again exactly as you just did it and try and follow and challenge myself to see how you're doing it. Follow, see if it's a sleight of hand. Follow your hands to see how your hands are doing it. To follow, to have my eyes sweep all, honestly, to sweep all over your body and all over table and all over whatever else is around you, just to see if I can pick up on what it is you're doing. And if I can't, great, more power to you. I love you for being able to fool me. But it's a huge compliment and a huge honor to both me and it should be a huge honor to you that you were, that you were able to fool me because like I said I take that as a huge honor and if I can figure it out that's both an, that's both a, an honor to me because one I was able to I was able to outsmart and able to outthink someone so brilliant and two that that you were able to come up with something that stumped me so far and that stumped so many other people that just entertains them and Magic and magicians are for entertainment and are here for entertainment. And it's the, the love of being entertained and entertaining people that makes the magic beautiful. And it makes things like do this, make things that do this awesome, people that do this awesome. One of the earliest books on the subject is Gantziani's work. It's one name because it doesn't look like it. In my notes, it doesn't look like one name. 
One of the earliest books on the subject is Ganziani's work of 1489, Natural and Unnatural Magic, which describes and explains old-time tricks. In 1584, Englishman Reginald Scott published the discovery of witchcraft, which I just mentioned earlier, part of which was devoted to debunking the claims that magicians used as supernatural methods and and showing how their magic tricks were in reality accomplished. Among the tricks discussed were the sleight of hand manipulations with rope, paper, and coins. At the time, fear and belief in witchcraft was widespread, and the book tried to demonstrate that these fears were misplaced. Popular belief held that obtainable that all obtainable copies were burned on the ascension of James the First in sixteen oh three. And anyone who knows that name, James the First, especially around sixteen oh three, anyone who knows that name of James the First knows what he is he is famous for. Two years later, in sixteen oh five, the famous gunpowder plot which created which created Robert Catesby and the famous mask that that is named for Guy Fawkes. The mask of his mustache and goatee that was all over the movie V for Vendetta. During the 17th century, many similar books were published that described in detail how the methods of a number of magic tricks, including the art of conjuring, the anatomy of, of legerdemain, L-E-G-E-R-D-E-M-A-I-N, legerdemain. Until the 18th century, magic shows were were common source of entertainment at fairs, where itinerant performers would entertain the public. Would entertain. I just lost my place in what I said. Refer to Wikipedia. I lost my place. Where where itinerant performers would entertain the public with magic tricks, as well as the more traditional spectacles of sword swallowing, juggling, and fire breathing, which, if you kind of ask me, are more tricks at a fair, not necessarily magic. Because it makes sense how you can do fire spitting. It just, if you think about it a little bit, it makes kind of, it makes kind of sense. In the early 18th century, as belief in witchcraft was waning, the art became increasingly respectable and shows would be put on for rich private patrons. A notable figure in this transition was the English showman Isaac Fox, who began to promote his act in advertisements from the 1720s. He even claimed to have performed for King George II. One of Fox's advertisements described his routine in some detail. And here's here's one. This is a little bit of an excerpt from one of Fox's Fox's advertisements. He takes an empty bag, lays it on the table, and turns it several times inside out. Then commands a hundred eggs out of it in several showers of real gold and silver. Then. The bag beginning to swell several sorts beginning to swell several sorts of wild fowl wild fowl one out of it on, upon the table. He throws up a pack of cards and causes them to be living birds flying about the room. He causes living beasts, birds, and other creatures to appear on the table. He blows the spots and cards off the table off and on and changes them to any pictures. Here's a little bit of uh, yeah, uh, Jean-Eugène Robert Odin, officially a clockmaker who opened a magic theater in 1845. He transferred his art, transformed his art from one 
performed at fairs to a performance that the public paid that, that the public paid to see at the theater. His specialty was constructing mechanical auto- automata. Yeah, mechanical automata. Like auto- I would guess mechanical automatons or mechanical robots. I guess that's what they made at the time by uh, mechanical automata. And so that appeared to move, that appeared to move, move and act as if it was alive. Many of Robert Houdin's mechanisms for illusion were pirated by his assistants, and ended up performing, ended up in performances of his rivals, John Henry Anderson and Alexander Herman. John Henry Anderson was pioneering the same transition in London. In 1840, he opened the New Strand Theatre. He performed as the Great Wizard of the North. His success came from advertising his shows and captivating his audiences, audiences with expert showmanship. He became one of the earliest magicians to attain a high level of world renown. He opened a second theater in Glasgow in 1845. A lot of it is just this incredible story of where, how magic started. In the history of where, what where magic came from, and what it led to, and what it means to be, what it means to be, to be entertained, what, what, what magic really is. What is, what is magic, or what is the history of magic? What is of, what is, what is magic really? Is it, is it the magic, or what's being performed? Or is it the is it the trick is it the trick yeah what's being performed or is magic really the person really the person doing it and and you ask me like I said at the beginning in Jen's case in a lot of other cases the magic is the person doing it the person doing the performing because it has to be it has you have to have an incredible command and control of what you're doing as well as how to entertain someone, or how to be funny, or how to be amusing, or wonderful, or great, or attractive, because let's face it, sex sells, and even though we don't want to admit it, it does. Um, it's just it's just amazing. Not all magicians are men. Three magicians talk about rich history and the representation of women in magic, from vaudeville to, as I mentioned, Vegas. There are there are several there are several people several I'm trying to click on an article I'm trying to get the article to load but I I noticed I noted something in the article here and it's just not loading so don't you just love when you do your research and you do your other research on things and you say refer back to Wikipedia you refer back to this refer back to that and the internet just doesn't behave it doesn't work like it's supposed to. It doesn't act like it's supposed to. And there's a, there's this huge article that says on the history of women in magic. And bring up this whole article. And the article is four sentences long. So bring up a whole paragraph. Bring up a whole article on the history of magic and the history of women in magic. And it says a whole article. And the article is four, four sentences long. And that's on, history, on history.com. And if you, can, if you can get more of an article... If you can get more of an article, look up. Please look it up and please let me know. It's it's incredible. 
It's incredible what the internet will not do and how the internet will not behave. A search online will tell you that the earliest known male magician on record is, is Dedi, D-E-D-I, from 2700 BC, whose performance for King, for King Cheops, C-H-E-O-P-S, included the, the juggling of balls illusion, which is, which is a fancy name for the cup and balls trick. It would take, according to Google, because this said refer to Google, it would take 4,500 years for the first female magician to make herself known, with American stage magician and, and escapologist Dorothy Dietrich successfully performing her bullet catch trick on international television in 1988. So perhaps the issue is the actual label of magician which described being defined as an umbrella term for witches and wizards, sorcerers and sorceress. is really a word that tends to conjure up visuals such as a witch. So let's take a look in one side. A little bit of a... The earliest known reference to a witch is in the Bible, especially the, the book of, one, of Samuel 1, written between 931 BC and 721 BC. The book refers to King Saul seeking help from the witch of Endor to help him overwhelm the Philistine army using dark magic. Back in those times, witches were, revere, witches were revered as the mediators between mankind and mysterious supernatural forces such as spirits and angels. However, the public images of witches somehow fell into a sharp decline, leading them to be viewed as wicked and not to be trusted. This led to the persecution of witches with suspected witches being tossed into the water with their with the woe with their thumbs bound to their feet if they floated they were killed for resisting the baptismal water if they sank they were considered innocent of witchcraft and a bittersweet vindication considering that many of them dropped and drowned sounds a lot like the salem witch trials doesn't it because that's what happened in the salem witch trials if you think about this kind of why would you why why would that happen or why would you do that if you sunk, you were innocent because you couldn't perform the ma- you can perform the magic or the trick to to get you out of it. Well, but you were dead anyway, so what does it matter if you sunk and you were innocent? The Salem witch trials began then began in February 1692, with hundreds of people being accused of witchcraft, 19 of whom met a grisly end by hanging. Many others, perhaps in the tens of thousands, were also burned alive at the stake and elsewhere in the world. At the stake elsewhere in the world. It's worth noting that not all convicted witches were women. In the Salem witchcraft trial, some of them were men. And also, it's it's just not all not all magicians are men. Most of them are, because most of them you see in the Vegas Strip. And most of you see them who's ever performed in a magic show, David Blaine. And I'm, I'm going to mention some names here, and I don't want to sound like I'm blaming them, because I'm not, because they're great magicians, and I really like them. Uh, Chris Angel, well, I'm kind of, eh, and Chris Angel. Some people you like, some people you don't. And it just happens with anyone, anyone in the world. Um, uh, David Blaine, David Copperfield, I love Penn and Teller, Penn and Teller, Matt Franco, they're all they're all magicians. They're all men. Very, 
very few, and it's very sad, very, very few magicians are women. And there needs to be more women magicians. Much more. And while I was saying in the beginning of the episode, and while I continue to say, the best above them all, above all of them, including them, all magicians everywhere, Jen Kramer is the best. Hands down the best. Not because of, not just because of the way she performs the tricks, and because of the way she handled herself. Like Sirius and Kaylee have repeatedly said, and I'm going to keep echoing their sentiments, it's the persona that she takes on stage. It really does not look like this is someone who's rehearsed, even though it is, because they be, you have to rehearse anything when you're in, when you're performing anything in front of a group, in front of a crowd, you have to rehearse. But it doesn't look like someone, she doesn't come off as someone who's over-rehearsed these things or over-produced these things. She, she looks and she comes off and she carries herself and she performs and she shows herself as your neighbor, as your sister, as your best friend. And it's really, really cool. And the way Sears and Kaylee have a huge crush on her, the way they have repeatedly said is that she's just very approachable. Like you just want to, whenever we, whenever we watch them or they watch them and I watch them with them, you just want to give Jen a hug. Because she looks just like, she's just so awesome. She looks like she, like you want to talk to her. And, and it just, and just the way, the way she conducted, it's ultimately, it's ultimately way beyond professional and way beyond so cool. And it's just someone, she looks like someone you can trust. So enough with this, enough with this me kissing everyone's butt and kissing her butt, especially, although I do, I will recommend to anyone to watch, to watch Jen and to see Jen show at the Westgate in Las Vegas. Anyone who has a chance to shake out and see Jen's show and check her out. She's unbelievably awesome. And I haven't got to see her yet, and I'm going to. I've seen her on um, Penn and Teller's Fool Us, and I've seen her on TV a couple times. And that's where Sirius and Kaylee have seen her as well. So if you ever get out to the Westgate in Las Vegas, when we go out to Las Vegas next, check Jen out. She's the best magician there, period, hands down. And I thank you all for bearing with me and sticking with me through this all. Thank you all so much. Thank you all for listening. Hang on a little bit more extra here. It's going to be a little bit extra at the end here. Hang in there. Hang in for a little bit more. Want to go to Vegas? Visit the best places all around the Strip and all around downtown or all around the surrounding areas? Check out the best vlogs for Vegas anywhere on YouTube at Brar Frederick over on YouTube. B-R-O-R Frederick F-R-E-D-R-I-K over on YouTube. Go over to Brar Frederick. Subscribe to his channel. Click that bell icon. Click that hit those those like those like up thumbs. Give give Brar a follow. Give Brar a look. You'll really love what you're seeing. He's an awesome streamer, the best Vegas streamer, and the best thing to watch while you're in Vegas, before you go to Vegas, just to experience Vegas as a whole. Hey, guys. Check out the best cruising podcast and YouTube channel for everything cruising needed, everything cruise, cruising enjoyed, everything you love about cruising. They're experts. They know their stuff. And they're beyond awesome. You'll love the podcast. You'll love their YouTube channel. They're the best cruising podcast out there. Check out Fantastic Cruising. 
on the podcast, on your favorite podcast devices and favorite podcast programs. And also check out Fantastic Studios on YouTube. They are beyond great. Give Matt and Kimbra a follow. Give them a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and every other podcast you choose. They are beyond awesome, and you won't be disappointed. You won't be upset in any way, shape, or form. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA plus people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.